0: I <laughs> don't
1: indeed there are more questions than answers like why does the alphabet song and twinkle twinkle little star have the same tune hi america hello world my (laughs) name is adrian lee and i am your host and i have just made you sing both tunes haven't i which kind of turns me on welcome to the show (laughs) more questions than answers the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world Oh, she swallowed a fly. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. Someone should write a song about an old person swallowing a fly. <laughs> I have just thought I'd suggest that.
2: I don't know why.
1: I have no idea. Do you know why she swallowed a fly? We could be here all night. <laughs> just the just rules. Do it to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Go on then. <laughs> <Write> the <song. laughs> Is that like patting your head and rubbing your belly at the same time? Greg's on minus one. <laughs> oh, i thought it was a good idea greg's on plus one the <laughs> rules are very simple points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shivering horror extra points will be available for shock and all value to help me control my rowdy panel of recidivism reprobates i will employ what i've called the inappropriate bell an example of this would be <coughs> the panel have no idea what's coming and i have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show so without Further ado, let us introduce tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and ethervessent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society. Heather wondered this week why gynecologists leave the room when you get undressed, when they're going to look up there anyway. Welcome to the show, Heather. (laughs) I also wish to introduce the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is now a valued member and expert of the International Paranormal Society. Kim wondered why people believe you when you say there are four billion stars, but check when you tell them that the paint is wet. Welcome to the show,
0: Kim. (laughs) Hello.
1: This is true. If there's four billion stars... And they're all suns. So 4 billion stars, on average, say, have 10 planets going around them. Do you see where we are? 40 billion planets. You can't tell me there's not aliens out there, extraterrestrials. Statistically, you would now say that it's actually probable that aliens actually exist is where we are in terms of maths and finally the calm and unflappable greg gore he is married to kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show greg is our tech expert and owns and operates more cameras and cables than the bbc outside broadcast department he is also our sound engineer and producer greg wondered this week whether it is still called a hearing if you are deaf and you have to go to court welcome to the (laughs) show greg hello This is Series 2, Episode 62. 62 is a wondrous and fabulous number. Did you know Sigmund Freud had an irrational fear of the number 62? No. This is very true. Why? It was an irrational fear. I have no idea. There's no explanation, (laughs) Kim. So he wouldn't have liked this show. He would have had a neurosis about this show. A Freudian slip, of course, is when you say one thing and mean your mother. (laughs) 62 is the international dialing code for indonesia straight through to jakarta and do not pass go an american businessman was staying in a hotel in jakarta but does not want to eat or try the local indonesian food so the concierge at the hotel gave him a menu to a local pizza delivery service 30 minutes later there is a knock on his hotel door the businessman takes the pizza and starts sneezing uncontrollably what on earth did you put on this said the businessman The delivery boy bows his head and says, we put on the pizza what you ordered, pepper only. 62 is also the atomic number of Samarium, a silvery metal that oxidises easily in air, and the title of a book written by J.R. Tolkien. That's not actually true, but I was struggling for a joke. We have a fabulous mailbag this week. Every week I like to read out all of your posts, All of your comments that are sent to me on Facebook and via email. Alex from Auckland in New Zealand posted on Facebook. Great show. Many thanks, Alex. And a big shout out to all of our friends and listeners in New Zealand. Geoffrey is in New York and has written, I love the show. It is funnier than anything on regular radio, digital radio and television. Also give. I know, right? High praise indeed, sir. Thank you, Geoffrey. Well, good.
2: the check in the mail
1: you might i'm not <laughs> writing anything i'll give him a thirty-three thousand dollar ir camera at the end also give all our squirrels 10 points to start the show i have been a bit mean <laughs> with the points distribution lately perhaps this show um will have less stick and a bit more carrot how would that be jonas in california has posted my issue with this show is is when Adrian says, well, all good things come to an end. I'm enjoying the show too much. Then I am sad that it's all over. But you have next week to look forward to, of course. By the way, Mary in Minnesota and Martin in New York both now want a Hertz Donut. (laughs) so uh, i don't know how we're gonna get them one of those but they actually said (laughs) they want a hertz donut so if you'd like to meet up with heather i'm sure both of you (laughs) can make that m&ms do you see where we are mary in minnesota and martin Mm m&ms you can get one of those martin also posted a recipe for a greek salad by the way after you said You are now worshipping the goddess of meal, of salads, and uh, she was indeed Greek. It was, as suggested last week, crammed full of olives and feta cheese. CF from Canada posted, Oh my God, this episode is a keeper and destined to be a classic. I have not laughed so hard in a while. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Heather, (laughs) I see where we are. What am I, what am I chopped liver all of a sudden? (laughs) It turns out after three years, I'm Oliver Hardy to your Stan Laurel. It's more
2: questions than answers with Heather Morris.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's never gonna, no, (laughs) you're surrounded by enablers, stop clapping, what's wrong with you? I'm Abbott to your Costello, this is where we are, unbelievable, but thank you to all of our listeners for writing i love reading all your messages and i love what you post on facebook i will read them out if you post them on there that's fantastic now the past weekend the international paranormal society did an investigation we were in redwood falls in redwood county in southwest minnesota and there's a fabulous museum there i would urge you to go and look at this museum and spend some time there if you get the opportunity it is the redwood falls historical county museum it's on three floors including the attic and they've got a wonderful basement there as well full of wondrous and amazing things but it's full of native american artifacts it's full of pioneer equipment the old-fashioned ways of kitchenalia are all there it's a wondrous place to be but it was originally a poor farm it was built in 1907 and uh, it was a poor farm but after the second world war It became a nursing home. So we had the opportunity to investigate. We took a very large team with us. There was about 15 investigators there from all over the Midwest. We came from far and wide. And uh, we also had an opportunity to investigate some of the Pioneer Village they had at the back of the museum as well. So, again, if you get a chance to go, this is Redwood Falls in Redwood County, Minnesota. But at the back of that particular museum, they had a Pioneer School, which we investigated. Now, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a second they also had a jail cell and this jail cell was actually in the town and then got moved to the new site where the museum is but it's a very interesting jail cell because in 1888 three murders took place in that year this was the year that redwood falls turned into a recidivist wild west town they probably never had a murder before then And perhaps not even after then. But there was three murders in 1888, all unconnected. So it must have been something they put in the water back then. But a gentleman called William Rose actually murdered. or was accused of murdering a gentleman called Moses Lufkin in town. And he claims he was set up. He claims he was framed. And there were several trials, and none of them could reach a conclusion. On the third trial, they did find him guilty of the murder of Moses. And he was held in that very jail cell. And the only hanging to take place, I believe, in Redwood County was that particular gentleman, William Rose. And they did such a bad job of it. When they had him on the gallows and he was about to be hung, the rope snapped. So he hit the floor and they quickly had to get another noose together and try and hang him again. This is the gentleman they tried to hang twice. Now, the curator of the museum is a fabulous lady. Her name's Patricia Lubeck, and she has written a book about this particular gentleman it's called murdering gals a rose hanged twice so if you get a chance to purchase that i would recommend that but the obvious thing was with this investigation that we wanted to find out if we investigated in the old jail cell if we would have anybody come through william rose for example claiming his innocence because on the gallows he claimed a gentleman called eli actually murdered moses And he was the gentleman they should have gone after. So we brought all the equipment with us. We set up in the jail cells and we ran a ghost box, if you're familiar with those from the shows on the television. And uh, we did get some interesting information come through. Um, I did talk to William via the ghost box. And I said, was Moses alive when you left him that evening? And he said, yes. Remember, this is 1888 this took place. I said, did you get framed for the death of Moses? And he said, yes. And then I tried to get Eli come through and I said to Eli, did you kill Moses? And blatantly he came out and said, yes, I guess when you're both dead and you're both in spirit, it doesn't matter anymore, does it? It's an irrelevance. And I said, well, why did you kill him? And he said, I wanted to frame William. This was a family dispute between two families back in the day. So I found that very interesting. And perhaps over the course of the next few weeks, we can place some of those um, EVPs and some of those bits of information and audio on our radio show but that was fabulous and the lady that wrote the book patricia lubeck actually thought that he was framed and actually thought doing all the historical research that eli was the gentleman that did it but that was the gentleman they tried to hang twice and that was such a bad execution there was no other hangings that took place after that in redwood county now heather you was with me on that particular investigation what were the highlights of visiting the redwood falls county museum for you
2: We had a fabulous time running around. I didn't have to go outside because it just got way too cold because you picked another cold night again.
1: I thought ridiculously that if I organized (sighs) an investigation where we'd be in an old schoolhouse and an old jail cell without electricity and heating in the middle of May, that we'd be okay. You were wrong. Little did I know we'd be scraping (laughs) ice off the cars when we went to leave that morning. (laughs) Who knew?
2: Well, so I got to stay in the poorhouse all night, and yes. I didn't have to venture outside. So it was myself and Gloria and another Bonnie. Uh, yep,
1: and Bonnie, a lady named Bonnie, who was yep. part of the historical society board. Let's hope she wants to be mentioned on air. Eh?
2: <laughs> I didn't. Say You've her outed name. Her you, did. You've you outed did. her now. You outed only because you I looked at it, me. I was going to say another lady, and you outed her, but. I don't think she minds. so um, She's got
1: no choice now, is she? Shall we <laughs> say her address while we're here and what how old she is?
2: I don't even know that. No, I so. don't know. I, I've
1: got nothing to back that up.
2: So I would have to say the first couple vigils were, were very slow. But by the time we got to the third vigil, things just started ramping up to the point where uh, the static detector, which you know yourself, doesn't often go off.
1: Very rarely does that detect anything to be honest
2: no but when it does it'll send a shiver down your spine and it actually did it on command and it did it more than once on command and it was amazing it was absolutely amazing it
1: detects static electricity so if a human walks towards it and gets within range it lights up in rainbow colors is where we are
2: uh we decided to actually camp out where our command center was because i felt like that's where a majority of the emotion would be held, where you're going to have parties, where you're going to have wakes, where you're going to
1: This was the communal dining Mm -hmm. area for when it was a poor farm.
2: Right. And so I just said, let's camp out here and see what we get. And that was the most active area for our group the
1: whole night. Now, normally it takes months and months and months to go through all of our evidence. Because if, for example, if you've got eight cameras running in all the different locations you're going to do vigils on, one hour of investigation creates eight hours of video footage to go through. And if you're running DVRs as well and we're there for eight or nine hours, you know, you're looking at hundreds and hundreds and hours of evidence review. Now, what you've done tonight is you've managed to put together several EVPs, electronic voice phenomena from some of the ghosts and spirits you spoke with on your final vigil there. So what I'd like to do is if you cue them up for me, tell me what's going to happen in each of these EVPs and then hopefully we can listen and we can actually Play for our listeners some of the experiences that we had last weekend.
2: Well, uh, the first part of this, it, it, everything that I brought tonight was actually done on a Shack Hack, and you'll be able to hear voices coming through. On the Shack
1: Hat. This is a ghost box right. and it scans across all the AM and FM frequencies very quickly. Right. So what you're going to be getting and what you're listening is popping noises as it's scanning and creating white noise. So what you're going to hear is be, but in between that you're now going to hear voices come through that wasn't anyone on the team. Right. And these are disembodied voices that come through within the white noise if you like, as a meta narrative running through right. that scanning system.
2: So the first one, I I had actually asked uh, whatever was with us that if it knew me, because it had already obviously seen me on two vigils before. I just want to know if it knew me. And this was its reply.
1: So just for our listeners, in case they didn't catch it, we will play this a couple more times. But what did it say there? Just so we're listening for that.
2: If you had headphones in, you might be able to hear it a little bit better, but it actually says Morris.
1: It says Morris. Morris. Who's Morris? That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. So you said, do you know me? Yep. And the ghost said in response, Morris. Morris. So it has an intelligence and an awareness that you've met. So let us just play that again. And what you're listening for is uh, the response. When Heather says, do you know me? The spirit responds by saying, Morris. So we have a second EVP, so let's have a listen to this. Let's set this up here. What happened this time?
2: Well, this is one of my favorite EVPs of the night. But of the I,
1: night of all time, possibly. Uh, probably
2: yes. Entire, I think it is a ringtone now for It's me. your
1: ringtone. Yes. And if you could make it into wallpaper you'd have that as well. <laughs> that You're is. You're gonna very mix true. it into a rap song, aren't you?
2: Yes. So after we got this EVP that said Morris, I said, Okay, well what's my name then? What's my name? Say my
1: name. Say my name. That's right.
2: And this was its reply. What's my name?
1: Now, in case any of our listeners missed that, would you like to elaborate on what I actually said there?
2: It said, you're perfect, Heather.
1: You're perfect, Heather. I couldn't hear that. That's I couldn't A, you hear You
2: can hear you're perfect pretty clear. And then Heather is kind of in the.
1: In the. At the rubbish, in the fuzzy bits. Heather's in the fuzzy bits at the end. It
2: says, you're perfect, Heather.
1: You're perfect, Heather. Well, I I don't believe it. So we're (laughs) going to play this again one more time and we'll have a listen.
2: What's my name?
1: (laughs) What a sad state of affairs. Everyone thinks you're the funniest. You've now got ghosts lining up. You could be on the pole. You could be dating dead people. By the end of this week, there could be a line of dead people. Maybe I already am. Oh, that's mysterious. (laughs) How's that working for you? I bet you've got nobody to dance with, have you?
2: Nope.
1: (laughs) We have another EVP. So let's uh, listen to this one. If you cue this one up as well, Heather, what's happening here?
2: Okay, well, a little further into the investigation, we actually had a little girl come through, and this one's very light. Uh, We're just having a random conversation, and she happens to say, Hey, Dad. It will come at the very end of the clip.
1: So we're listening for a little girl, a girl in spirit, because there's a schoolhouse there. There was young children with families as part of the poor farm there. So we're listening for a hey, dad, at the end of this sequence. Well, that was definitely a case of blink and you miss it. So we're going to cue that up again. And we're just listening. It's a very short clip, only lasts a second. It's a very small girl's voice saying, hey, dad. So we have one last um, piece of audio evidence that you're going to play for us. So set this up again. This was the last one you're going to play for us tonight. But what did you get here?
2: It's the little girl again.
1: Okay, she's back. Um,
2: And yes, I was actually asking for William Rose or if whatever was there knew William Rose. And I was asking if he was framed. And there is a very loud and very concise, I can't. And it was from the little girl.
1: I wonder if this is a case of she can't because she doesn't know or i can't because there's a big guy there who was framed for the murder and got hung and was kind of suppressing her energy and her spirit so i'm not quite sure which way to fall on this but what we're listening for here is you asking if william rose was framed for the murder of moses and the little girl says i can't So one last time then, we're listening for a small girl's voice saying, I can't in response to you saying, was William Rose framed for the murder of Moses? It was sad. So that was the investigation we did at Redwood Falls Historical Society, a fabulous museum there. The curator is Patricia Lubeck. She has a book called Murder in Gales, a rose, Hanged twice. And if you go to our websites, we will post more evidence from that particular investigation. And there was talk that we may do some sort of ghost walk or Halloween walk through that particular building. So we shall keep you posted on that. If people wish to join us for an investigation at Halloween at Redwood Falls, then that may be something that you can look into. If you go to our website intparanormal.net, all of our events and all of our investigations are posted on there. Greg's won himself three more points for being so efficient (laughs) with his fabulous editing skills He's runaway leader at the moment on four in fact he's in second place to squirrels who actually have 10 so my apologies the good lord giveth and the good lord taketh away we have a paranormal quiz show dying to burst out of the crypt and walk into the moonlight so i will start with a story that says a ghost hunter has spent the night alone in a house which hosted europe's most violent haunting Paranormal investigator Gary Johnston from Manchester headed to the semi detached property in Yorkshire to discover if he could prove that the address is really home to ghouls and ghosts. The home on East Drive in Pontefract is supposedly plagued by an angry poltergeist known as the Black Monk of Pontefract, who became infamous after allegedly threatening the home of Joe and Jean Pritchard in 1974. That haunting was the inspiration behind the feature film, When the Lights Went Out, which was released in 2012. Filmmaker Gary, 47, searches the home's creepy corridors and stalks its rooms in complete darkness to see if he would become the next victim of the hauntings. He also chats to the lady who now looks after the property to find out if she can reveal more. ...about the rumours that it is haunted. Gary said I heard the stories about the haunting... ...but wanted to see for myself. I actually got in touch with the people who made the film... ...and they let me stay for the night. Some strange things definitely happened while I was there. My equipment started to play up throughout the filming... ...and some things that I ended up sending across to my computer... ...simply disappeared. But I couldn't say whether the house was haunted that night. I think people will need to watch the film and make up their own minds. If you wish to see that article and watch Gary's film, you can go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories and much, much more are there for you in glorious Technicolor. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings?
2: Exorcism calls on the rise in Idaho. Did you know they had them in Idaho?
1: The only thing I know about Idaho is that's where potatoes come from. As a foreigner, I know very little else.
2: (laughs) As Idaho's population grows, as well as their potatoes...
1: There's four of them now.
2: (laughs) There has been an influx of new construction, new restaurants, and increased amounts for calls for exorcisms. I didn't know such a thing. Many times we get calls because people are having activity in their homes or businesses... Exorcism expert and founder of Apparitions Paranormal Investigations, Jeff Mason, explained we actually had the entity identify itself as a demon attached to a resident of one exorcism. I'm skeptical. I'm sorry.
1: I'm not quite sure why Idaho would need so many exorcists. If you're an exorcism and you're sat at home at the moment watching the television, you're unemployed, you don't have any work to do. Idaho is the place to be.
2: Despite the doubt and sometimes laughable portrayals of exorcisms in Hollywood movies, Pastor Mike Freeman said that the issue is a reality for some people, especially those living in third world countries, which I believe... You step into the third world, and it's definitely a we're not in Kansas anymore moment for the next we? Are
1: we, call, are we saying Iowa? Iowa. See what I did there? <laughs> are we saying that Idaho is now in the third world? Is this apparently, where we're going? Yes. It is, apparently. So I have a story that says Randall Hanson, 50, was this week found guilty of the murder of Derek Marnie, 70, who died from six-inch stab wounds in his side, which punctured vital organs. During a two-week trial, it was heard that Randall Hansen continued to live with Mr. Marney's body in Brighton, the flat they shared for 10 days before it was reported to the police. I bet he never did any housework or did any cooking in that time. Authorities the one that ru- was dead? Yes. <laughs> the worst flatmate ever. Never lifted a finger. Just sat there watching TV morning, noon and night. Didn't eat much, to be fair. Didn't run the vacuum around. <laughs> didn't dust. Didn't bother with any of the cooking. Terrible. (laughs) Authorities were only alerted after Randall Hanson made comments to a tarot card reader on Brighton Seafront, who then called 911. The trial earlier heard how he asked for a psychic reading, admitted he had done something terrible, and confessed to the killing after the tarot reader turned over the death card. This sounds like a guilty conscience, doesn't it? by the gentleman that went to see the psychic. Why else would you go if you've murdered someone Mm -hmm. and their body's been in your flat for 10 days? He's obviously trying to make contact. Secondly, would it not suggest that the ghost or spirit of Mr. Marnie has come back to actually provide that card at that moment? That'd be great, wouldn't it? it would be thirdly (laughs) what i would say is the death card normally doesn't represent death it normally represents a rebirth it normally represents a series of events a cycle of events coming to an end and then going down new paths like a phoenix from the flames a renaissance a rebirth so it's very unusual there's some very strange things going on there there are indeed more questions than answers. Randall Hanson has now been sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 15 years after being found guilty at Croydon Crown Court. The hearing heard that Mr Marnie's body was discovered on Monday, May fourth, two 2015 in his own flat in Brighton. It is understood that Randall Hanson had been living at the apartment for several months when he killed Mr Marney in the kitchen by stabbing him. Detective Chief Inspector Paul Raymars of Surrey and Sussex Major Crime Team said, while it is not clear exactly what motivated Randall Hanson to stab Mr Marnie, the evidence showed that the stab wounds were deliberate. He had been living at Marnie's flat for several months, apparently on good terms, having first met at a local spiritualist church. Derek Marney's sister said, I still cannot believe that Derek is no longer with us. The past year has been so difficult for myself and my family. Having to sit through a retrial has prolonged our grief. The jury's verdict today has slightly eased our pain. Although Derek will always be in our thoughts, I'm hoping my family and I can now start to rebuild our lives. It's interesting that the tarot reader went to the police after he confessed to the tarot reader that he'd done something terrible. Does a tarot reader, and we're open to debate here and suggestions, and we can have a conversation about this, but does a tarot reader have client confidentiality? No. You don't think so? No. Because when I do tarot readings, everything comes up. For example, I could have a lady in front of me and I will know from the tarot reading whether she's having an affair, whether she's got money problems, whether her health is bad. And all the things that get mentioned, I do say to them that anything that gets brought up in this tarot reading isn't public knowledge. I'm not going to go around telling people because I would never get any clients, would I? No one would ever come to me. You know, it's almost like being a doctor where you yes, wouldn't divulge it. Yes, but her. Murder murder
0: if you're a psychologist or a psychiatrist uh the rule is if you are harm to yourself or others then it's no longer private
1: there you go but they've got to convince the police as well that you know you've done a tarot reading it has come up that you've killed someone i guess the person could still say i didn't do it and it's their word against yours sure i find that very interesting but again if you wish to see that story in glorious technicolor in full detail you can visit our facebook site more questions and answers With Adrian Lee, and at any time you can also add yourself to my Twitter account, where all of our stories and much, much more is posted. If you go to Adrian underscore Lee underscore Tips, you can access our Twitter account. We currently have, I believe, eighty two thousand followers on there. We also have a YouTube channel we have some very funny outtakes if you'd like to listen to those people have told me they're hilariously funny so i'm happy to agree with that but again if you go to youtube that's more questions than answers with adrian lee and do remember also i have a book out at the moment called how to be a christian psychic what the bible says about mediums healers and paranormal investigators and we have archives mustn't forget this earlier in the show jonas said the worst thing was me saying that's all we have for tonight but we have archives we have three years worth of shows if you go to soundcloud.com and type in mqta radio all of our shows are there for you to access any time of the day and night and one thing i will mention if you access our shows on itunes could you leave comments if you enjoy the show i've discovered That if you leave comments, this is correct what I'm saying now, Miss Morris. Yes, it is. So if you go to iTunes, if you're accessing the show on iTunes, please leave some positive comments for us. That helps our show enormously. Kim, you need the points to get off to a fabulous start. What have you got tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings?
0: Are you feeling the burn?
1: Only when I wee.
0: (laughs) Welcome to a Bernie Sanders Wiccan ritual. Oh, dear. Attending a rally for Bernie Sanders usually involves long lines and security screenings, but that wasn't the case at an intimate, informal event Friday evening supporting the Vermont Senator's presidential campaign in a park.
1: He's Jewish,
0: isn't he? I have no idea.
1: Yes, I believe so. So these are people doing a pagan ritual for Bernie Sanders who happens to be Jewish. Yay! It's one of those Jewish Hmm. witches that you read so much about. (laughs)
0: instead of metal detectors entrance required burning ceremonial sweetgrass participants participants were smudged meaning the smoke from the sweetgrass was wafted over them before they could enter the sacred circle and begin a wiccan ritual to support sanders ahead of oregon's primary
1: so if i want to intimately penetrate their circle i have to be have to have a good smudging first is what you're telling me yes is bernie saunders aware of this
2: so if you want to he was uh, so
1: he was happy with people penetrating his most intimate circle (laughs) okay i'm just saying this is where we are i find this remarkable (laughs)
0: uh welcome to the feeling the burn ritual oh leah Lafleur, 41 told the gathering as she prepared to lead them in the amplification of positive energy of bernie sanders and the progressive movement
1: lay on the floor her name is lay on the floor leah Lafleur. yeah likes james bond (laughs) lay on the floor that's one of the james bond girls isn't it lay me quick (laughs) wow you're making this up nope (laughs)
0: I think they are. (laughs) True enough. There are lots of ways to support a political candidate, from making phone calls to donating money. Some turn to prayer, Christian, or otherwise. Add Wiccan rituals to the list now. Lafleur, a patent agent, has already hosted Beanies for Bernie knitting parties and helped out at the senators' rallies but she had never performed a Wiccan ritual for Sanders before, and if it was going to happen somewhere, it would be in Portland, a place she described as a much more welcoming community than where she grew up in Michigan. She advertised the event on a Sanders volunteer website calling on Wiccans, pagans, goddess worshippers, atheists, or anyone who is spiritually open-minded to engage with a community of like-minded individuals. The event caught the eye of a handful of reporters, as well as a man who said he runs a YouTube channel called Laughing at Liberals. In the end, observers were almost as numerous as participants, which included a 24-year-old mother who does tarot readings and brought her toddler, a 43-year-old researcher, a 53-year-old semi-retired chef, and a 36-year-old food service employee with his dog.
1: I still can't believe that her name is Lay on the Floor.
0: That's exactly
1: what you need, isn't it? During a pagan ritual, what's your name? Lay on the Floor. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just saying points to be one. Heather, what have you got for me now in a round of ghosts and hauntings?
2: Well, there are several ghosts and monsters that are running amuck. Really? And do you know
1: why? I have absolutely no idea because they haven't been smudged intimately no, blessed. They've not lied. Because
2: the mystery machine crashed.
1: Oh no. Yes. <laughs>
2: Scooby-Doo's famous van made an impromptu visit to a home in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on Friday. Uh We
1: missed it. We could have been up there. We could have been looking.
2: (laughs) It's typically used by Fred, Daphne, and Shaggy, and the rest, you know.
1: You don't know them, do you? You're making it up Velma? Yeah. Okay.
2: But I don't like that little scrappy.
1: Yeah, (laughs) we're not going to go there. There'll be an argument.
2: So um, what they would do is they'd hunt for dressed up ghosts and monsters in the distinctive green and blue 1960s panel van featured in the Hanna-Barbera cartoon classic, has proven a popular build among custom van enthusiasts. One such vehicle, which had been painted to look exactly like the Mystery Machine, ended up embedded in the side of a house on Friday after thieves stole the van and wow. drove it into a wall.
1: Joyriding, the Mystery yes. Machine.
2: Yeah, I think they on were... On drugs. Smoking some doobage. Yeah, they Scooby... I wonder where Mr. Withers was. <laughs> <laughs> it's old man Withers from the amusement arcade. This isn't yet clear who was responsible for the incident, which occurred at around 3 a.m. in the morning. I wonder who it could be. They
1: were smoking scooby Dooby Doo's. Yes, where they we were. Are.
2: However, St. Paul police have reported their arrest and subsequent release of two teenagers. Yes, we knew they would be teenagers. The van itself, which was badly damaged... Is likely to be out of commission for quite some time, so go, you monsters and ghosts.
1: Yes, you can swindle money (laughs) at the amusement arcade as much as you want from now on in. I have a story that says a family paid nearly $35,000 to marry their son to a dead woman because they didn't want him to be a bachelor. The man who had died three years earlier passed away before he had a chance to take a bride so his family from Shanxi province china paid 180,000 yen to matchmake him with a dead woman so that they could be married in heaven the bizarre ritual is an old custom in rural china and involves having a ghost wedding for the couple they do this because of fears the family will be cursed if one of them dies unmarried we better hurry up and tell your sister
2: <laughs> <laughs> According
1: to state-run China Radio International, they were given a discount by the wife, as locals believe they were a good social match. So buying a corpse for a corpse, that's really good money for the woman's family. Do you see where we are? Yeah. Who did they pay? They paid the lady's family. So if the daughter died, their family now gets money for handing over the corpse. Nice. It almost makes you want to... Uh,
2: Off someone close to you.
1: That's absolutely right. There we go.
2: (laughs) Have a yard sale. Oh, no. (laughs) I have a few sisters. (laughs) There you go.
1: And they're probably listening to this show as we speak. It also benefits the young woman's family, as without being married, she would be unable to have a proper burial. Posthumous marriage is widely regarded in rural Chinese communities, but there is often a lack of female bodies to perform the ritual. Many more young men than women died due to physical injuries sustained in the coal mines of the region. But since parents see it as their obligation to marry their children, many will continue to wait until years after the death to find a wife. Others turned to crime in order to secure a bride, with an increasing number of dead bodies being stolen to take part in the practice. At least three dozen bodies have been reported stolen in the past three years in southern Shangxi's County, according to Lin Zhu, Deputy Director of the Police Department. Last year, three men were arrested after trying to sell bodies for more than thirty-five thousand dollars. A man, Jean Guzzi, who bought a corpse to bury next to his single older brother, said, I thought of using a woman made of dough, but the old men in our village insisted only real bodies could prevent misfortune. Married to the Pillsbury <laughs> Dough Girl. What nice. are the chances of that? Do you think she would see herself rising from the dead? OK, I thought it was there. <laughs> The theft is difficult to investigate and is hard to find evidence. Lynn said, Yes, most of it gets buried.
2: Lots of dead ends. I thought it was there too.
1: <laughs> We're losing points <laughs> hand over fist. In one village, families have started to build tombs near their homes rather than a distance in the mounting sites. Some affluent families have hired people to watch their family tombs, reinforcing the tombs with steel. And installing CCTV cameras
2: in over, their tombs,
1: over their graves, absolutely. You could go onto your laptop and watch your dearly departed slowly decomposing on a cam of some description, deadcam dot com. There for everyone to see. In East London, there was a hairdressing salon. This is absolutely one hundred percent true, and it opened next to a very large east london cemetery in a place called Plasto, so there was a hairdressers next door to the cemetery and it could only be called one thing and this is the absolute truth and it is rather distasteful they called themselves curl up and die it's true if you want to go look it up It's all there for you. We now run into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and it's hairy beasties. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs? Going to England. We're going to England. Hurrah. Yes. Good old blighty.
2: The residents there are going to hunt an eight-foot werewolf.
1: An eight-foot werewolf. Yes. That's a very large dog. That's the hound of the Baskervilles, isn't it?
2: That's a big one.
1: And they can't take the mystery machine with them. Nope. This is going to be a difficult job.
2: Multiple witnesses claims to have seen a half man, half dog creature, known locally as Old Stinker.
1: I'm sorry, how would you spell that? Can you help me with that? No. According Owl to Old <laughs> Stinker. <laughs> Old Stinker. Old Stinker. Yeah. I thought his first name was Al.
2: <laughs> you can call me Al.
1: why am i here there's people writing in and saying you're funny what's wrong with people there's some sick people out there hello mr and mrs stinker and my son al (laughs) According to reports,
2: this legendary denizen has been sighted at least seven times over the last few months in and around woodland near Hull. It stood upright one moment and the next it was down on all fours running like a dog, said one woman who saw the beast near the
1: Bramston drain. You're looking at me as if I know everywhere in Hull. I've never been to Hull.
2: Well, she saw it back in December, and uh, she was terrified.
1: Have you ever been to Idaho? I know, right? <laughs> <I've> Eating
2: potatoes. <laughs> and of
1: course you have, and, and you'll be getting an exorcism very shortly.
2: It vaulted thirty feet over to the other side and vanished up the embankment and over a wall. That's a pretty high jump.
1: We need silver bullets.
2: We do. One couple described seeing something tall and hairy feeding on a dead German shepherd, while another witness reported coming across a half dog, half human creature while walking her dog. She better run. Sightings of the elusive beast have now become so prevalent, in fact, that some local residents have taken to organizing a hunt for the creature on the night of the next full moon. Can you see pitchforks and torches and guns and bullets?
1: I feel sorry for the student who's running around in a werewolf costume (laughs) who's about to be shot at with silver bullets. It's all funny, isn't it? Until someone shoots you with a silver bullet. There is the legend
2: of a werewolf called Old Stinker.
1: Old Stinky, yeah, go on.
2: (laughs) A great hairy beast with red eyes who was so-called because he had bad breath. It was known for the wolves to dig up... If you're a werewolf, that's the least of your
1: worries, (laughs) isn't it? And who is that
2: close to find out about it? That's what I want to know.
1: If you're eating dog carcasses, (laughs) is it any wonder your breath's bad? Are you thinking, oh, I've just eaten a corgi, I better put a Tic Tac in? He's
2: not eating just the dog carcasses. It's also known for the wolves to dig up the corpses from graveyards. So he's eaten...
1: Oh, of course, that's even better, isn't it? Yes. I'm going to eat that corpse to get rid of the flavour of a dead dog.
2: That's right. And then I'm going to...
1: To wash it down with some gasoline just to get rid of the taste.
2: I don't recall that ever being in the story. You made that up.
1: And then I'm going to have Kentucky <laughs> Fried Chicken.
2: <laughs> well, anyway, they figure that because wolves were digging up the corpses, that that's why they got named to
1: be. I hear what you're werewolves. saying, but we've not had wolves in Britain since the 11th century.
2: Well, then what is it?
1: I've no idea. It's I a could- werewolf. It's people drinking. The problem we have in Britain is it's such a small island. It's about the size of New Hampshire. And it's so heavily populated. 60 million people live in Britain. There is no way... That a werewolf could run around the countryside without being seen. It wouldn't have enough food. People say there's bigfoot. It only
2: happens once a month.
1: I know. I'm now moving on to Bigfoot. When people say (laughs) they see Bigfoot in Cannock Chase in Staffordshire, there's not enough forestry there for a whole colony of Bigfoots to survive. They can't eat. There's not enough food.
2: Maybe Bigfeet's only come out once a month.
1: Bigfeet's only come out (laughs) once a month. Things you never thought you'd hear live on the radio. You shall sure have points wherever you go. You're now on a resplendent six. An intriguing video has captured the moment an odd shaped UFO appears to hover in the sky over the south coast of England before disappearing into thin air. The man who recorded the video said the object was moving southeast for around three or four minutes before it was lost. According to the commentary alongside the video, the UFO was spotted on May the 15th, the man says it seems to be transforming or rotating. Wow, this is strange. Tyler Glockner, founder of UFO Hunter site Secure Team 10, said, So, as you just saw... This thing is definitely not your run-of-the-mill UFO shape. I mean, this thing looks very odd. It does not look like any sort of aircraft. It does not look like any weather balloon or balloon in general. Unsurprisingly, viewers were divided over the footage. One viewer wrote, Newsflash, a bunch of balloons were just let go somewhere. Another added, No, probably a drone. I remember when the Olympics was on in London. I thought we were about to be abducted by aliens. Later I found out they were government drones the video has now been viewed more than seventy-four thousand times since it was uploaded i have a big issue with this story secure team 10 are constantly being read out on this news show i'm almost thinking about having a blanket on them and not reading them out anymore
2: i'm thinking so too
1: because if anyone wants to see this video go to our facebook site more questions Than answers with adrian lee look for this story play the footage it's a spider-man balloon without any shadow of a doubt, and I've actually put a link to a company that sells a Spider-Man balloon that when it's inflated looks like Spider-Man hunching down. And it's once you see the balloon, it's a balloon flying through (laughs) the sky, and it's Spider-Man. It's a Spider-Man balloon. Here we have, they look like a joke now, don't they? Yes. When we do paranormal investigations, we try and rule out, everything it could possibly be before we say it's paranormal we see if the floorboards are creaking we see if when you flush the toilet on the third floor the pipes are rattling we look for broken windows we look for cold spots we look for emf activity do you remember at the weekend we had a really large hit of of emf in one of the rooms and it was over one of the mannequins and we thought wow this must be a very ghostly presence in here look at the amount of electrical magnetic fields being produced and then it turns out through doing further research and wandering around the room with our meters like the ghost arc and the k2 meter and the mel meter that they'd earthed and grounded all the water pipes so the water pipes had a vast amount of emf being generated from them like you would get in most old buildings and we try and get rid of every single possibility available to us before we say it's a ghost this particular group secure team 10 seem to be posting anything that's in the sky and instantly saying it's a ufo unidentified well it's actually identified it's a balloon do they not look stupid on the back of that
2: Yes, it's bunk.
1: It's bunk. If you wish to see such bunk, then you are more than welcome to do so. Kim, what have you got for us in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology?
0: A meteor captured on dash cam video lights up the New England sky. A police sergeant looking for speeders captured a fireball streaking across the sky on his dashboard camera early Tuesday. The bright flash visible from several states was apparently left by a meteor burning up as it passed through Earth's atmosphere. Other people and webcams also captured images of the fireball. The American Meteor Society reported more than 300 sightings in Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and parts of Canada.
1: What about Idaho? Nothing for them? Oh, that's disappointing. (laughs) They're too busy being exercised and wriggling around the floor. They didn't look up. No.
0: No. Portland Police Sergeant Tim Ferris was parked in front of the Central Fire Station when his camera captured the meteor lighting up the sky. The shocked officer was heard saying, Oh my God! Webcams in Portsmouth Harbor in New Hampshire and at the Burlington Airport in Vermont captured the fireball. Video shot by another officer in New York and a motorist in Vermont also surfaced. The Maine Mineral and Gem Museum suspects the meteor crashed into the woods of the north- northwestern Maine based on preliminary
1: findings isn't it remarkable that every meteor ends up in a crater <laughs> it's like playing golf isn't it the meteor goes over how do they get it into the crater it's every remarkable, time. like a golf shot straight in holding one <laughs> never misses remarkable aliens are playing golf up there i tell you They're using craters for holes. This is where we are. There's an alien up there saying, this is a slight dog leg. I'm going to take the seven iron straight onto the green into the crater. What are the chances of that happening? Remarkable, I tell you. 100% evidently. Oh, every time on the money. (laughs) Uh, If
0: you want to make some money. They are offering a $20,000 reward if someone recovers a piece of the meteorite and they say it weighs at least 2.2 pounds.
1: We need to go out there looking. It's very rare to find a meteorite when they actually video it. That's what you want. You want the video of the meteor going through the sky and then you actually want a piece of it. Those two things together would generate vast sums of money. We run literally into the round that is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the week that are too strange and too bizarre. But don't fit into any other category. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of strange and bizarre?
2: I'm going to Cleveland, Ohio.
1: Ohio. We're getting a real tour of the United States we tonight. Are, aren't
2: we? And I have a 43-year-old Cleveland man asked to use his 72-year-old neighbor's phone. What uh, for? Well, then he stripped and then he sat on her couch and then he stole two canes and ran out the door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he stripped Sat on the couch Stole her canes And ran out the door Which means that she can't now come after him I'm guessing <laughs> Probably.
2: Where did I'm the guessing- phone go? I don't
1: know. It's not your mother, is it? No,
2: I don't think so. A grand jury on Monday charged Rammel Thomas with burglary, robbery, robbery,
1: Robbery, buggery, and what? <laughs> yeah, that's right. charged him with a robbery, a yes. buggery.
2: And public indecency in connection with the May 8th incident in Cleveland's Corlette neighborhood. He knocked on the apartment door of a 72-year-old woman who lives in the same building and asked to use her phone that was okay that
1: old chestnut can i use your phone sweetheart
2: so the old woman let him in but instead of using the phone he took off all his clothes and sat on her couch
0: (laughs) (laughs) she must have just heard him wrong
1: (laughs) yeah she's her hearing's going (laughs) no i said pluck the chicken
2: uh the woman eventually got Thomas to put his clothes back on, and then he walked out of the apartment, and as she followed him to the door where Thomas grabbed two of her walking canes, he pushed her against a wall and walked away. So this is really weird. Thomas was arrested that day and charged with robbery in the Cleveland Municipal Court, and his bond was set at $50,000, but he was charged with just robbery.
1: Just robbery. Just Rubberly, rubberly. Yes, <laughs> okay. that's it
2: for just the two canes. This chicken's rubbery. That's mm. it. <laughs> so not indecent exposure.
1: No, he got away with that.
2: Oh, he did. Maybe she enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: she might have thought he was a stripper. gram She ordered. She didn't Who press knows?
1: charges. Apparently. <laughs> I have a story about more unidentified floating objects. A council has had to deal with 37 floaters in its swimming pools in just three years. New figures show. And by the way, when we're talking about floaters, I'm not discussing corpses here. I just want to make that clear for our American listeners. 37 floaters in a swimming pool isn't dead bodies.
0: Who took the time to count them?
1: Well, they have to close the swimming pool down and clear it all out, so I'm guessing they've got some sort of time sheet.
2: Lots of baby roofs.
1: South Lanarkshire venues have been forced to act because of fecal contamination in its public baths. Pools in nearby Lanarkshire North had 20 such Incidents. It's the work of the Phantom Turtler. Ba, 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 Tune in next week to hear the tales of the Phantom Turtler. Okay. <laughs> Hamilton Water <laughs> Palace has had to contend with the most floaters across Lanarkshire 18 in three years, apparently. Hamilton Water Palace has had 18 incidents, followed by Lanark Lifestyles on eight and Colburn Leisure Complex on six. Star Wars. May the force be with you. In fact, it's not a good idea to force it out, is it? It'll end up with hemorrhoids, so I'll take that back. Jerry Campbell, General Manager of South Lanarkshire Leisure and Culture, says the council always shuts the pools promptly on discovering faecal contamination in order to carry out a clean. Quick, quick! Code brown, code brown. <laughs> you know, what it be- it's men, right?
2: I, how do you know that? Because I can't picture a turtler going through a woman's bathing suit.
1: You put it, it to would... one side, don't you? You just pull it to one side.
2: Listen to you telling people how to do it, which makes me wonder about you, Mr. Lee. Yes,
1: because I often wear women's bathing costumes and go into public baths in Lanarkshire. Of course I do. You're no
2: more <laughs> letting you guys into our hot tub. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> I've done two in there and you've never noticed. <laughs> He said, "When this happens, we close the pool immediately and carry out a strict cleaning regime." I like the idea that the phantom turtle has got as far as the high board. He's twenty-five meters up in the air. He turns around, drops his trunks, and it's like a death charge. And there's people (laughs) screaming as it hits. You've got like two or three seconds before, you know, the moment it drops to the, and then you've got screaming and people running in all directions. i'm saying it's the it's the height that that causes the issue you've got the build-up it's like a horror film if he's on the high board and he's dropped his trunks and it's hanging you know there's that tension in the air and then you've got the drop at three meters per second so you've got at least what five seconds worth of build-up there and then it hits the water anything could happen at that point Ding, ding 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 you're trying to get out and it's chasing you and all kinds of things <laughs> our staff are still paid when the pool is closed and we use this time to concentrate on other areas of cleaning the leisure center this is caddy with bill murray isn't it
2: yes i told this you it's baby ruth
1: i shall keep you informed of the phantom turdler kim what have you got for us tonight in the round of the strange and the bazaar?
0: who was the mysterious man in the
1: iron mask the phantom turdler I can't say that with any factual backing up. I've got no evidence.
0: History professor Paul Sanino believes he has finally uncovered the story of the man behind the mask. It is one of history's most enduring mysteries, that of a prisoner arrested in 1669 in France who was held under tight security for more than three decades and whose identity was kept a total secret thanks to the full-face mask he was forced to wear throughout his incarceration.
1: It's not Tony Stark then, I'm guessing, No okay that was a joke for people that like marvel you're looking at me as if i'm mad is anyone else on the same page there'll be listeners out there that know exactly what this is Yes,
2: i know what it is it's iron man
1: okay (laughs) you're on minus two no one likes a smart ass today see where we're going
2: uh the story
0: has been the subject of much speculation over the years and was even the setting for a major movie starring leonardo dicaprio back in 1998 a film which also helped popularize the theory that the mysterious prisoner was actually the twin brother of Francis King Louis XIV. Author and historian Paul Sanino, however, maintains that this was certainly not the case. Historians are pretty much in agreement that his name was Estache Dogger and that he only occasionally wore the mask, and when he did, it was velvet, not iron. They are also quite sure that he was a valet. It yeah. was a fetish mask?
1: It was a gimp mask. You're a gimpanzee. Did you know the story of Cinderella was mistranslated, and it wasn't glass slippers; it was fur slippers originally. And glass and fur sound very similar in French. I don't know if anyone was aware hmm, of no, that. No, no, This is where we are. French again. You see, this is this is mm-hmm. the place.
0: Uh, what they have not been able to figure out is whose valet he was, and for what possible reason he was held under tight security for over thirty years. Through his own research, Senino now believes the dogger was the valet for the treasurer of Cardinal Mazarin. France's principal minister during the early life of King Louis Fourteenth. What I was able to determine was that Mazarin had ripped off some of his huge fortune from the previous king and queen of England. Yikes. Dogger must have blabbed at the wrong time. He was informed when arrested that if he revealed his identity to anyone, he would immediately be killed.
1: We now move into the final round of the evening that is called Not For Your Mother. This is the round that is laden with sexual innuendo. It's the stories from around the world that we can't read out live on air if your mother is of a nervous disposition you need to lead her out of the room if there are young miners present then they'll be able to tell you what some of the words mean i have a story that says a passionate lover heard a snapping sound during a vigorous sex session and is now suffering from a horrific injury twig Ooh, there you go twig yes berry's fine twig gone oh The 32-year-old, who has not been named, raced to hospital after his penis turned black and blue and started swelling up after the romp. After. I like the way he finished off and then thought, oh, that's not good. It's black, pointing in the wrong direction.
2: He's only half the man he used to be.
1: As long as his balls weren't blue, everything was fine. (laughs) He told the doctors who examined him that he heard and experienced a snapping sound during a vigorous sex session and sought medical attention based on the irregular curvature of his phallus he was diagnosed as having a penile fracture oh someone get me a bucket of ice uh, ultrasound scans you know it's i said bucket and not cup right <laughs> ultrasound scans revealed the intercourse had caused a tear in his man's corpus spongiosum look at my spongiosum spongiosum look at my spongiosum look can you see it It's like an eggplant. The mass of spongy tissue surrounding the male urethra, Franklin. The eye-watering picture above shows the extreme swelling of the shaft, named eggplant deformity. (laughs) (laughs) It's called eggplant (laughs) deformity. I dare you, Greg, to go to ER and say you've got eggplant deformity. Not
0: going to happen.
1: In colour and shape as well, I might add. I've seen the photographs. It's called eggplant deformity, not just for the shape but for the colour.
2: Oh, I think I did see a picture of
1: that. Yes, he now hides in vegetable patches and frightens small children. Penile fracture happens when an erect penis is bent during sexual intercourse, causing a tear or rupture to the issue inside the issue. (laughs) Oh, God. I can't even read this out. I've got a tear welling up that's going down my leg. Those who think they have fractured their penis should seek medical attention immediately as the injury requires prompt surgical intervention they have to put a splint on it quick diagnosis and scans can help surgeons locate the area and the tear and therefore
2: that was an issue
1: limit the damage they want something to take away the pain but keep the swelling
2: i didn't think that was an issue would you be
1: shocked if you got taken out for dinner you know, and we're talking somewhere classy like uh dairy queen. <laughs>
2: you, I <laughs> knew
1: that was coming. And in the car park afterwards, there's an eggplant plopped into your lap. This is where we are. <laughs> so would that be a bad thing or a good thing? That's, <laughs> a, bad that's thing. a bad thing. That's a bad thing. You were expecting something in the zucchini range weren't you (laughs) you've been spoiled madam that's all i can say kim what have you got for me in the round of not for your mother
0: doctors perform first u.s penis transplant there you go do you get a
1: choice on color (laughs) do you see where we okay that's where i (laughs) want to go there's
2: hope for my ex yet
1: (laughs) (laughs) controversial
0: Doctors at Massachusetts General Hospital performed the first U.S. penis transplant, they said, Monday, calling it a landmark procedure.
1: Why? Oh, wait a second. I when you say a transplant, what, there's like loads of hair or a liver? I mean, I'm assuming they're giving him another penis. Yes. When you say you're not walking around with a liver down there, are you, or, a lo- or someone else's hair is what I'm saying.
0: Thomas Ma- Manning, six Thomas, yeah. Is recovering well after the 15-hour procedure performed by a team of over 50 surgeons, doctors, and nurses. 50? 50. How I'm big sure was it? I'm they all wanted to take
1: a look. <laughs> Christ. What was it? How long was it? Like an anaconda. They needed 50. What, people, 25 of them had to carry it in. Oh, God. You have to feel sorry for the man that died because he's now, you know, his family have had to sign a document to say, yeah, my, my husband has died. But, you know, maybe he didn't die. Maybe he's a Munich. I think there's a horror story here. Wasn't there a Michael Caine film where he had a hand transplant and that hand was suddenly possessed? Yep. You know, what would happen if you had a possessed Willie? What would happen if you're laying in bed one night and suddenly you're sleepwalking, but you're being guided? You see, it's dragging you about. It's, it's like a dowsing rod. You know, and it's going into the street and you're meeting, you're having this life you knew nothing about. You wake up in the morning wondering why you're tired, covered in glitter. And I a think different this
0: sh- is how you end up with an eggplant problem.
1: Oh. Now,
2: I, uh, I'll take this back on the serious side a little bit. I remember oh, please do. one of our first stories we ever did in season one at the very beginning around our little table was in regards to people that had had transplant and would get muscle memory.
1: Yes. So there was someone who had a lung or a heart transplant and then fell in love with the person's spouse that they'd left behind. Right. They had a muscle memory.
2: Yeah. So can you imagine if you now had a willy transplant? and that had a muscle memory a muscle just memory
1: saying, just saying <laughs> i'm sorry officer i had no choice the woman was lying down i was my <laughs> willy used to be married to her what am i what can i say i want to know if you get like a menard's color chart yes i'd like one but i'd like it in mahogany please
2: i do have to bring up since you're on this whole let's look at a willy okay We went to a Goodwill once and found a book. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) In a child section.
1: Yes. It was in the kids' section. This is true.
2: And it was a picture book, wasn't it?
1: Yes, like a little child's picture book, yes.
2: Yes, and it was called, do you recall the name of it? No idea. It was called Penis
1: Pokey. Penis Pokey. Fun for kids and all the family.
2: And it had a two-inch hole running down the whole center of it. Well, he tried it. I, couldn't,
1: I, <laughs> I took the book into the bathroom and came back an hour later covered in sweat. It was the best best reading I've ever done. But I e- couldn't wait to finish it. <laughs> it's one page. of those books you couldn't put down.
2: Oh, <laughs> each page had a cartoon picture. So if you happen to put your unmentionables through the book there was would...
1: a picture of like an elephant so it would then be replaced by the elephant's nose and on the next one there was like a hot dog yeah you could just plop it in the picture and book one and...
2: was fishing yeah and it became the worm on
1: the bait yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> the best book ever
1: the thing that worries me is that's in the thrift shop In the kids' section. So you know that someone else has put their bits through that book and then handed it in and said, there you go, and someone else has bought it and done the same thing. You did it. Yeah, it was me. (laughs) I took photographs and sent it to one of our team leaders, Scott, up in Duluth and said, look what I found. And he thought we had been to the zoo. Who knew? (laughs) This is turning into a very odd and strange round. I feel cathartic as if I've, you know, Almost confess live on air to many strange and wondrous things. My willy's I not possessed. I wouldn't call them wondrous. No. You need to flick some holy water on that and get a sign of the cross going. This is where we are. <laughs> it is Frankenweenie. This will be the second one. Can't you just mm-hmm. plop it out into the font and say that's good? You know, you could go to the front. It doesn't need to be blessed, does it? Just plop it into the font. Boop. There you go. Waggle it around a bit and you're good to go.
0: Here's a question for you.
1: Another. One. This is up
0: for debate. If, assuming that he's able to have children. Oh. Whose
2: child is it?
1: Well, to be fair, it's not the bullets, is it? It's the rifle we're talking about. So the bullets are eased, but it's just going through a different rifle.
2: What if there's leftover bullets in there?
1: I think it all gets cleaned out. There's a nurse at the back planning. Blowing like, it. Yeah, it's home oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? There's two nurses in the back and they've made balloon animals. <laughs> nurse, can you bring the penis in? And they're like... When they've made a giraffe, you'd be hitting people with it, wouldn't you? Like, if you had it in ice, it's in ice, it's ready to go. You'd run up to one of the nurses and go on the forehead and say, there you go. And you'd be playing with it. You'd be throwing <laughs> it around the room, putting it on someone's shoulder before it was sewn on.
2: you do that now. <laughs> well,
1: to be fair, you are sat six foot away. <laughs> this is terrible to do. I feel for bad. Th-
0: for those of the um, audience that would like to ask their doctor about this. We're going to see if I can pronounce this.
1: Penis. It's called a penis, kid
0: <laughs> Gentituturinary vascularized composite allograft.
1: Perfect. Shame there's no points going.
0: And the doctor that does this, you're going to like this, his name is Dr. Dickon Cole.
1: course it is. course it is. I think Heather's point can be well illustrated by the fact that if you get a lung transplant, you're not coughing up someone else's green bits. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They flush it all out, don't they? Somebody somewhere is blowing all that out like, like siphoning gas. Yes. Okay. All
2: right. I don't want to go on this anymore.
1: No. Hurry up and finish.
2: Uh,
0: Manning is going to need to take drugs for the rest of his life to diminish any chance of rejection.
1: Oh, I've had plenty of rejection.
2: Shouldn't his his wife be taking those?
1: (laughs) He had a false one before, and now she's got lead poisoning. (laughs)
2: It
0: was also pointed out that there is still a lot to learn about this process and how it would fit for each patient
1: (laughs) What if they sewed it on the wrong way round? That would be terrible Everyone's thinking about it, I'm just saying
0: Every case is different, we really had to tailor our procedure to our patient
1: There, Hmm? money well spent, Heather, finish the round for me, not for your mother
2: Well I'm going to be informative Who knew? I know right German government creates online sex manual for immigrants. Yay! I'm sex going to manual, Germany.
1: Germany, and you would in fact be an immigrant.
2: See? Yeah.
1: Guess what? It's going to teach me. It's going to teach you how to behave around women. A
2: mound women? <laughs>
1: I got confused, I'm sorry. Mound
2: it was, women? I
1: had trouble with thinking and talking at the same time.
2: <laughs> with a heavy dose of their typical bluntness, the German government created a website dedicated to teaching the influx of the Middle Eastern immigrants the ins and outs of sex, both literally and figuratively in German culture. In some places, the site offers advice on how to interact with and be respectful of gays and lesbians and members of the opposite sex. In other places, the site is a de facto instruction manual for how to have sex in different ways and in different positions.
1: Yay! You know that a German instruction manual on sex is going to be erotic, right?
2: <laughs> this site is adorned with cartoon il- I got to visit the site I'm telling you.
1: You mean you've not been on there?
2: Not yet. <laughs> this site is adorned with cartoon illustrations of various sex acts that are equally graphic and clinical. Imagine the stick figure man and woman on a public restroom sign pictured in virtually every conceivable sexual position.
1: What are people doing in restaurants over there that they've got to put that up? Do you know the swimming pool? <laughs> There's a poster on the wall of all the things you can't do, like bombing, heavy petting, floaters, those kinds of things. They've now got that in restaurants, have they?
2: Yes, yeah, stick finger ones. I think it would be fabulous. So people are actually
1: doing this in restaurants, then, it would suggest, would it not? No. What if it was between the fish and the meat course?
2: No. They are not putting the instruction manual on a restroom door. Okay. Imagine the stick finger people that are on a door.
1: Oh. On
2: the website. Adrian Edward.
1: I thought there was a poster on the wall with positions on it. (laughs) Oh,
2: good. Freaking God. These
1: are the the stick people on the door. Frau. Frau. Woman.
2: Frau. Woman.
1: Waterfall. Waterfall. Waterfall.
2: God. One section deals explicitly with young people trying to lose their virginity. It offers a helpful tip for the big night. You know what that tip is? Take a book with or you the with Dairy a am ho- oh, Sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never die. It will never die. Nope. Make sure that no one can disturb you. That's their tip.
1: No one can disturb you when you've That's got right. a book with a hole in it and an eggplant with you.
2: Oh no! It goes on to describe the various sensations and emotions people have when they're losing their virginity. I'm going to send the site to my sister.
1: <laughs> wow! <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, like, the first thing to do is to lock the car door. I would suggest. <laughs>
2: The site, which cost the German Federal Center for Health and Education $136,000 to create, is intended to help bridge the gap between the typically reserved Middle Eastern attitudes about sex and the more open German approach, where public nudity is not uncommon and frank conversations about sex are the norm. While the website might make more prudish Americans giggle or blush, the issue of sexual norms has, at times... Been anything but a joke in Germany as tens of thousands of Middle Eastern refugees have struggled to integrate themselves into German society. In fact, a rash of sexual assaults, some allegedly committed by asylum seekers, were reported across the country on New Year's Eve. Public pools in Munich have had to post cartoon signs warning men not to grope women in swimsuits. <laughs> they just put Stay them away. to one
1: side. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> what? To be fair, I've been to Munich and there is a place called the English Garden, and no one told me it was a nudist park. So I went there. I've got my schnitzel under my arm. I'm you about can put to- it there. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> 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 That's a change from last week, where you told the entire world well that I had a Whopper Junior. Apparently. Well,
2: I'm trying to inflate your head.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> I've got a pump for that. I don't need your help. <laughs>
2: Yes. yes, Adrian Dangerly.
1: <laughs> yeah, babe, it's just not mine, man. It's not mine. I um went to a park in Germany, my schnitzel's under my arm. I suddenly had loads of naked people walk past me. They have nudist parks in Munich. So it's not about grabbing women wearing bathing costumes when they walk around with nothing on. German women are very hairy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Well, Jonas, I'm sorry to say that all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores in last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery. There is a tie between Greg and Heather, who have both scored a very healthy four on any other occasion. That would be a winning score, but not tonight, because in resplendent first place winning the $33,000 IR camera is apparently Squirrels, who scored a very early 10 and stayed in the lead. Do not fear, listeners. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show, and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, Or You can join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, if you love the show, we now have an extra 20 to 25 minutes that we do off air called not for your mother, which you can access on SoundCloud. Dot com if you look for MQTA Radio. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, to Tom Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, Nathan Bush, and all at the International Paranormal Society Intparanormal.net, and, and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.